Hello and welcome back to the Real Point Podcast. My name is Freya. And I'm tired. But my name's actually Connor. But I'm <laughs> tired. Yeah, um, so last week we... What were the films we done last week again? Last time we had an episode it was uh, Shaun of the Dead and Attack the Block. Yep, so going from something nice and feel good. <laughs> well, you know, like... You know, so so this episode is you know original versus a remake, which is not something we've done before, and it's something we've been looking forward to doing for a while. Yeah, there's obviously you think about how many remakes are out there. There's yeah. a ton, so we kind of wanted to do something that was at least an original that we enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. And then talking about how the remake differs from that. Because we we threw our own idea of like doing a bunch of like the sort of Dawn of the Dead slash mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead remakes, but we kind of settled on Suspiria because we're a big fan of the original, and um, because remake does differ quite a bit because like yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of meat there to sort of talk yeah because like Night of the Living Dead isn't too far off from the original no but is there's it? a lot of fun changes yeah yeah um, like 100% but whereas this is quite quite substantially different from the original yeah I think like you know I, it's almost like it seemed like a better idea in our heads than when we actually sat down to do it and it's not it's sort of in a negative way um, as a sort of funny aside um, you know we watched Suspiria together for the first time a few years back shortly when we sort of got together and it became sort of one of our personal favourites a few years later we went to actually see um, the composer of the original Goblin perform the soundtrack live with the film playing in the background which was incredible it was that really is, good um, one yeah. of the best experiences I think we've ever had oh it was fantastic um, yeah. like a one-off sort of performance of that yeah. was incredible and then Suspiria the remake would have come out shortly after that and um, the weird thing that sort of ended up happening and this is a this does have a moral kids um, but we were so eager to see it we missed it in the cinema so we um, eagerly awaited it to sort of come out on VOD or whatever and we were able to get a pirate copy uh, relatively quickly um, when we watched it, we kind of discovered that there was definitely an awful lot of um, speaking in the foreign language going on. Yes. And the copy that we had didn't have any of the hard-coded subtitles attached to it. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you watch a film and, like, uh, a character will speak a foreign language and it's not subtitled as to kind of, like, maybe kind of give you that feeling of not understanding what's going on or it's a stylistic mm. choice sometimes, you know, because the other the foreign language can be quite light if it's an English-speaking movie. And we were kind of like, oh, maybe that's the case. But then as the film progressed, we realised that we really made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yes, there's um, a lot more, especially, like, compared to the original um, bits in foreign language, yeah. there's a lot more in the remake than yes. in the original. Um, so we were kind of, it was overdue for us to kind of watch it again because um, large parts of the plot um, do kind of feel absent if you're obviously not watching the subtitles. Yeah. So it was kind of a good thing to see it again because it filled in a lot of the blanks of the first time. But like I said, the moral of the story is, you know, pirating isn't always the best thing to do. So, <laughs> and um, it was genuinely just because we were w- eagerly awaiting it. Yeah, it absolutely. Was, um, I mean, we are very much for paying to go to cinemas, and especially if it's smaller films that are only coming out in a limited release, we do go out of our way to make the effort to actually yeah just especially because about <laughs> only a couple of weeks after the fact um it did it well it was released on amazon prime because yeah. it was a technically an, an amazon studios movie but more so that they um just sort of won the bid to distribute it um yeah. and so yeah yeah so um if you're not really aware uh, the original suspiria is by dario argento yeah um was made in 1977 um, and was a Italian giallo? No. Yeah, I mean, uh, the term giallo is a bit of a funny one because giallo really kind of means like murder mystery. 
Um, it kind of is, though. If you yeah, think it kind of like it. a lot of these things usually are, but especially in which I will go into detail about this bit. But you know, like the the start yeah, scene yeah, when it is yeah. sort of like a murder. It stylistically, it looks kind of like yeah. the stereotypical. Child it does, yeah. Um, I think that like a lot of people will kind of use Jello as like a blanket term for a lot of um, sort of seventies and eighties Italian horror movies. Um, there are Jello elements in Suspiria. Yeah, I'm not saying as a whole, oh, no, but it course. does definitely um, have like Jello elements. Probably to the it. least Jello-y movie that Dario Argento yeah, made, and yeah. the rest of his back catalogue with like Tenebri and um, Bird of the Crystal Plumage and stuff like that yeah. as well. But um, yeah, it is of that period and it is definitely of that style as yeah. well. Um, but it's definitely a bit of an off-brand for him because it's more supernatural in tone yes, than I think was familiar yeah, for him at the time. 100%. And then we have the Suspiria remake, which was made two years ago, 2018. and it 41 was one years later. Well, Crazy wow. amount of time. Um, Luca Gaudinino, I think if I'm pronouncing that yep. right, please, I hope I am, um, <laughs> who he's done a couple of films. I think I remember hearing his name getting thrown about a lot when he released a film called This Is Love with um, Tilda Swinton. It's on um, Call Me By Your Name. Yes, that was kind of what brought him into the mainstream, I think. Like, I know that like, I Am Love is very popular, but then Call Me By Your Name got a um, massive amount of mainstream attention, um, and it for better or for worse gave us the gift of Timothy Chalamet <clears throat> uh, I don't know what your feelings are on that but. Uh, oh I have yeah very much feelings <laughs> I, I, I don't understand a lot of the listener chime in what you do know? you feel about <laughs> Timothy Chalamet I think it's more like the, the women sw- swooning over him and like I've said this before as a sort of joke but he looks like a kid that would strangle cats yeah he looks like a a fuck boy like he he just really um, and I've not personally seen Call Me By Your Name we've seen a few films with him in it now as obviously his career has sort of really taken off but the other guy that's in Call Me By Your Name is really good oh yeah um, Arnie Arnie Hathaway yeah Yeah. Um, but yeah anyway enough talk about Timothy Shelley when it's time about this so we sort of don't know how we're going to go about this we might talk about like intercepting both films um, yeah. for different elements of it or different parts of the film going forward. So we might talk about like the beginning of the original film and the beginning of the remake and yeah. do it sort of in sections. Um, the the remake is actually in different sections as an act of the film and it's yeah. six acts. It's, in it actually epilogue. as the film opens, it says um, in six parts with an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Um, as it sort of opens up and the film starts. So I mean, in terms of we can sort of base it around. Maybe that's sort of working out from the original to the remake, although there is a lot difference in parts. I think it's a lot, there's a lot more in the remake. I don't want to use the word waffling, but there is a lot of just things happening at parts and it sort of draws out the film massively yeah. more. I mean, what's the difference in runtime for the original? Uh, Suspiria is just shy of an hour and 40 minutes, and Suspiria is just about a minute or two over two and a half hours yeah no it definitely feels um, like it but i think you know the thing about both of them is that um the the reason why i like the original suspiria so much is that um it works on um, a level of simplicity <clears throat> mm-hmm. there's really yes. not an awful lot going on um, it's, it's, it's a very quite in the original at least it's a very basic storyline yeah um, and it sort of progresses. Yeah, as it yeah, goes on, it there's not nice too much going on. Um, it is very easy to sort of understand as it as it goes yeah. on and where it's heading to. Yeah, and although like the remake is longer, like substantially longer, um, the 
what sort of surprised me sort of watching them sort of back to back again was that um, the the core of all the story beats of the original is actually still all intact like yes. when we watched the remake the first time I didn't really clock the fact that a lot of it is more or less exactly mm-hmm. the same um, it's just more sort of padded I feel like yeah. E- yeah. the parts of the original are padded out further in the remake to sort of make it like bits that are really short, say like the beginning scene of the original with a girl. Yeah. Um, that's done within I want to say like five minutes. Well, I think that's almost kind of a weird sort of anomaly with the first one is that um you know uh, Suspiria one well Suspiria original opens up with our main character Susie Banyan turning up in Germany, mm-hmm. um and she's um a new student at a prestigious dance academy. She gets out of the airport, she gets into a taxi and sort of drives there and then sort of crosses paths with this girl who's like fleeing from the academy in fear. And you know Susie Banyan's her main character, but she, immediately after she sort of arrives at the dance ca- academy and can't get in the front door and sees this girl run away, we spend like 10-15 minutes with this girl uh, that flees. Yes. Um, which is so weird. Like I don't like it's not incredibly strange or anything, but I think it's just like you know we spend a, a substantial amount of time um, with this character who immediately sort of gets killed off um, after le- leaving the dance academy. Um, that does also transfer over to the remake as well um yes, we don't uh, meet our main character until about 10 minutes in where we actually yeah i feel like that's a bit more what i was meaning is it's a bit more with the remake padded out the background with behind the girl yeah why she kind of is disappeared and what's going on in her head whereas in the original you don't find out till later yeah. what's sort of going on she just knows she implies that there's something wrong that she can't talk about she stays yes. with a friend and she sort of the franchise coax out of her and she says yep. that she can't really talk about it. So, talking sort of from the beginning, as we've sort of dived mm-hmm. into slightly there, so we've got the, the the music scores are one of the biggest elements of both films, which are vastly different, I'd say. Well, I would say the music is probably a bigger aspect in the original, more so than the second yeah, one. That's, I don't yeah, know just, if that's a hot take, but I don't no, know no, if no. you want to maybe just focus on the music just now. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I was going to say. So, like, the... I would say that the music in the original is a lot more prominent from Absolutely. the beginning of the film to the end of the film. It's there throughout. Um, it also is there to build tension a lot in the film. Mm. Um, and it's sort of... It's kind of very, like, animalistic. Yeah. Sort of like, breathing and, like... Yeah, apparently the singer sounds. would actually, like, um, sort of whisper things into the microphone to get some of the sort of audio effects for the mm. music. Um, I think people actually tried to sort of assume that he was saying like certain kinds of words. Like I think I've heard someone say that you can hear the word witch being uttered throughout some of it, but that's actually not true because apparently the words he was saying were just made up gibberish. Mm. Um, I mean the soundtrack's it, incredible. It like, is. The when you think of Suspiria original, um, the first thing I think about is the music. Um, yeah. First first thing. Yeah. Um, it is and I think it displays itself quite well in the opening when we meet. Oh Susie. yeah, one hundred percent. When she, as soon as um she leaves the airport or station, yeah. um and she gets in the taxi, right from that moment the music begins and it's the <clears throat> the well known sort the of main theme, yeah. the main theme. But it cuts the, in and out regularly. Yes, yes. And I think that's like you know it's it happens a lot in the opening where like, um as like from one sort of side of the camera the music's blaring and then when it sort of cuts back to Susie's perspective it just cuts out as quickly as it arrived it's very weird and keeps cutting back and forth like that Mm -hmm. and when the music appears later on in the movie often um it will 
again just kind of appear from nowhere like at 100% volume like blasting and then go away just as quickly yep. it's a really really odd effect where yeah it just kind of feels like you don't expect it and it's almost like the music chiming in it's like a jump scare of its, yeah, of its it's own just, it is quite jarring the the music especially when it as you say it, it does come on quite full on it's it's not like a build up yeah um <clears throat> I don't know if that was choice or just in well, the audio balance. Apparently, um, the... sometimes, like because um, when they were filming, they've never recorded audio, um, because obviously with the range of actors being like American, oh, Eng- yeah, English yeah. speaking, German, French, and stuff like that, um, they didn't record any sound, so they had to dub everything over after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly talking about the audio, this is something I really like about Suspiria that um, I like about a lot of these Italians or seventy horror movies is that um everything just feels that little bit weirder when you can watch someone talking and know that it's really heavily ADR. <laughs> it really gives everything that really nice fun sense of like just not being that bit right yeah like even like Susie obviously like speaking English like her lips match her words just fine but you can tell just because the way the audio kind of peaks a little bit mm. that it's obviously recorded after the yeah. fact but um sorry what was I getting at um the music was played live um during recording um, so often that they would actually kind of be like screaming at each other as they were like um, oh, filming yeah, the scenes okay, and stuff because music yeah. was played live. Oh, that's that's um, that's interesting. That also makes sense why they can do it so well live because it was really well done when we saw oh, yeah, it live. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, they even like they when we seen them live actually were really able. Surprisingly, when you sort of see how the music cuts in and out of certain scenes, when they played it live, it was actually really incredible how at the drop of a dime they could just turn it off. Yeah. Um, especially because it's always so loud that you can imagine like you know I mean, if you strum a guitar you have to stop it like putting your pan yeah. on it but like you know they're using like what looked like a, like a big marimba mm-hmm. like a massive xylophone type thing and like weird drums and like weird string instruments and they mm-hmm. just managed to like tone it to complete silence yeah, so they can split second it was, um, and start like yeah. so quickly on point it was uh, yeah very well done I think the soundtrack's incredible so in comparison I am um, People probably love the soundtrack of the, of the remake, but uh, there isn't much of a soundtrack. That's no, the thing. Um, like there's that was not what at I was all. surprised at when we watched it it's, again. Especially like given it to Tom York, you think mm. it would have gone the amount of experimental stuff Tom York has done, and I get that it is still an experimental element to like this film. But he's done so much. I yeah. kind of expected something like big and like grand and like this big sort of piece yeah. of music. It sounds like Tom. Like I mean, it sounds like Tom York yeah. stuff. Like you know, um, the film opens with um, like a, a song where he sings over mm-hmm. it, and then that comes back. Not the same song, but a vocal track comes back in again at the end. Which, if I'm being honest, um, I kind of could have done without. I I have my own problems with the sort of finale of the Suspiria remake, which mm-hmm. I'll sort of get about when we come to it. But I don't really think the ending was the right place to have Tom York's kind of like wry voice kind of yeah. cut in a little bit. But the, you, the, it just you know. it was it wasn't it was it was in the background. Mm. It was it was more faded in throughout yeah. the film yeah. than the original. But I mean, this is the thing. So the the two massive elements which you notice straight away, especially watching them back to back, is the difference in soundtracks. Yeah. And the difference in color, yeah, um, and how everything is presented, yeah. And so I, I can maybe understand if they're going for the complete opposite in like color and like grandeur and vividness, yeah, to <clears throat> be a, a lot more bleak and, and, and muted saturated, and yeah. saturated. Then I can understand the music obviously taking a, a yeah. step back. I can well. understand the thought process behind it. Yeah, I think. I just think you know when. When I think of Suspiria, yeah, I think, I think massively colourful, yeah. like beautifully colourful, vivid in all elements, and 
this really loud intense music yeah. and then I mean that, I think that's one thing that like everyone thinks about when they think mm, and then to have the, the remake being so muted and dull and yeah just yeah. yeah I know um, I mean like I, I kind of struggled with the music a bit and I know that like you know I can appreciate that you know he's going for a vision he's going for a point um, with the way that like the music is made um, and the remake based on the original um, and I, I respect that but I personally can't really get behind it um, you know I think there are assets in the remake that have either been like amplified or kind of diminished based on like what the original did yeah. and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't um, and I think the music is one of those like you know I found myself only really enjoying one song in particular um, in the film and it was actually when the, um, they danced the Volk um, sort of yes, towards the end yes. of the movie. That song was really, agree, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, you know, I think Goblin's music is quintessential Goblin. Like, if you watch, like, Dawn of the Dead or even, like, Demons, um, they have a style. And mm-hmm. it's, again, it's quintessentially Goblin. Like, you, you, when you hear it, you're like, that's Goblin. It sounds like only what 70s Italian prog rock can sound yeah. like. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in the Suspiria remake that you wouldn't think that's quintessential Tom York like if anything yeah. there was a point like even um, the song that plays when they perform the folk is actually um, I thought to myself you know who would have been a really good choice to make the music as someone like Forrest Swords or even like um, uh, <laughs> to go back to a movie I have a hail of relationship with um, Hacks and Cloak who'd done like the yeah. soundtrack for Midsommar and stuff yeah something like, a bit more um, yeah. yeah like I feel like it could have you know, I've read that Tom York apparently was inspired by like kraut rock, um, which is a sort of genre of like sort yeah. of German seventies sort of rock music and stuff for it. But I didn't ever really get that impression. Like I don't know anything about kraut rock, but you can imagine what it sounds like by the name. And I didn't really get that impression listening no. to it. Um, but it's not bad by any means. But I feel I know there are probably plenty of people that like it. I just don't think it really worked for me because no, music I, is such I a large part of the yeah, original. I completely agree on that um, element. So and the color aspect as well. You're correct with because uh, the, the Suspiria yeah. re- original is is gaudy. Like it's you know. absolutely beautiful. I mean, we've even spoken about getting we want Suspiria posters for the house because it's so vividly beautiful. Yeah. Like every scene, every like frame. Even just not not just color, but like the patterns and yeah. the like, t- everything comes together yeah. so perfectly. I mean, even though it's really jarring and vivid colors, it's just so beautiful to look at. Yeah, and I think that's so like the scenes like the, the first scene when the girls hanging and like the the, the bright bright yep. color of blood and stuff yeah. throughout it. Whereas like because in the remake it's so muted, and I get that they're going for like a sort of bleaker atmosphere it's a lot more like politically driven and it's um there's a lot of war guilt in the new one so it's trying to mute back the colors to sort of talk about this uh, the the environment around them more so whereas the original sort of doesn't really dive into that it keeps it sort of enclosed on what's going on inside the ballet school and not so much what's going on outside whereas i feel like the remake is going a lot more in depth to the environment around the school. Yeah, that's as well as the personally. Yes, um, I, I think I can understand maybe if it was a little bit of it. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I, I can understand like after the war mm. and like the elements of that. Yeah, it's nineteen seventy seven. Berlin Wall is still standing. Exactly like, to have a little bit off. of elements of that. Yeah, but it felt so like pushed. There yeah. was like so much of the the news going on in the background, and as I say, like the war guilt. Um, a lot of more 
fe- feminine like politics um, and to do with especially in the school because this is something that I'll bring up later um, there is no males in the remake yeah there's absolutely the where um, as in dancers not as in there is males coming in and out of the film but whereas in the original there's the school is basically split in half you've got the girl dancers the guy dancers yeah. um, and they all stay together and I mean yeah I get it from like a pro- progressive point of view and I think that there are a lot of incredible women in the remake that I, I will give it that yeah, yeah. that Tilda Swinton as always is incredible well, uh, you know, there's there's from what I remember counting there's two males in the Suspiria remake who are like the police officers mm-hmm. um, and, and they the are one. in it for two seconds yeah. and, and they are just only males no and the psychologist no no, but as in as a character yeah, I in the know, film, but you know, played like, by a woman. Though. Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. That's no, what I, I mean. Like women play men better no, than. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, I will because I was going to dive into that, but I meant as in character wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, there isn't a lot of male characters in the film. That's yeah, that's a whole other kettle of fish which we will go into. Um, and I get that. So you just have like yeah, two male actors. Yeah, I think um, like you know sort of going back to like its setting and stuff like the remake. Like I think. For the first like half, it seems relatively reasonable to have it set in like you know because the original set in Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also um, the story of Suspiria remake takes place the same year that the Suspiria original came out in nineteen seventy seven. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like okay, that's interesting. Like you know, it gives it a time and a place. But as you say, I think you know the the political side of things maybe lean a little bit too heavy. I kind of get what they're going for, but I think there's enough like thematic meat on the movie regardless of its sort of political yeah that's I think that's the kind of thing I know it's not obviously like taking something serious like the political points in the the original but there's so many themes going on not in the original the remake Uh, there's so many themes in the original anyway even though they're not necessarily serious themes no they're um, not front and centre you know Um, but there's there's a lot going on as is to then pile on like politics on top of that and it does stretch out the film because there are a lot of elements that are nothing really to do with the school they're more just yeah. to do with politics and what's going on it's a bit of it's it can be a little bit overwhelming like mm-hmm. you know I, again like there's enough going on already that um i i do genuinely wonder like i know that you know it might have been a place of interest for um luca but i don't know it just clashes a little bit too much yes. i mean it's a long movie enough as it is and um i think it kind of what I think kind of helps is that one of my least favorite parts about the original is um, the sort of exposition dump you get towards the end of the original, where yes. um, Susie goes to meet Udo Kier um, at the BMW headquarters mm-hmm. of all places, um, to essentially discuss like um, you know the concept of like witches and supernatural, and as he constantly refers to it, that really annoys me is the occult, not the occult, oh, the, the occult, um, and it's just like it kind of breaks the pace of the movie where it's like characters just come in to explain the plot to the main character for about like 10-15 minutes of screen time mm-hmm. and when Udo Kier's done doing it he's like actually I've got a friend who can do it for me too and just gets in a stranger to explain the rest of it and it's like oh come on like just get to the end now yeah. and what they do instead in the remake is that I think they kind of take that part of the movie and they kind of create this character of the doctor in the remake mm-hmm. who kind of serves that purpose I mean um, as well as, uh, as that you get the elements of the supernatural yeah right from the get go mm. whereas as you say there's a there's a break um, in the original movie yeah. where it sort of switches yeah. so it starts off as this sort of murder mystery almost because yeah. um, you don't exactly know what's going on 
um, and the weird things going on at the dance school, and then it kind of flips on its head. Yeah, and it, it almost kind of comes out of left field. Like mm-hmm. I remember when you watched it the first time, we had, I think I knew that it was about witches, but I remember when we watched it and I was like, how is this going to fit in? Mm-hmm. And then it sort of does, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, whereas it's almost kind of delivered straight up. In the, yeah, the, the, uh, con- like Chloe Grace Moretz, who... I mean, I don't know why they got Chloe Grace Moretz to play this character that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. No, she's only in it for like the smallest. Collectively, of time. maybe less than five minutes of screen time, like, um, which is really weird um, to have her play such a, well, have a, you know, a sort of well-known actor play such a small role. Um, but she kind of just like name drops the witch thing like almost immediately, yeah. and then we kind of get to meet Susie, which I think works out a little bit better in the remake, where like you know in the original it's like we meet Susie and then we spend like. 10-15 minutes with the sort of character no, that, that is, killed that off. is the one thing that I do think see if if the original had instead of introducing you to Susie straight off if it had gone with the the girl that got killed mm-hmm. and sort of introduced you to her so you think she's the lead like kind of yeah. like a psycho element in mm-hmm. yeah. getting to make pretending she's the lead having all this happen and then she dies and then you're introduced um, to is it Susie? Susie Banyan yeah I mean, Susie is, is, is the same mm. name through both. It is, yeah. In fact, m- oh, all, yes, no, all the characters it? share the same name. Yes, so no, like, I was um, trying to work it because I've got... So Chloe Grace Moretz is Patricia. She's who Patricia. Has, is the same character yeah. from the And you've got the Sarah, who Sarah. is... I can't remember the actress's name. Uh, um, Mia Goff, yep. um, who we recently watched in Emma as well. Yes. Um, which, um, <laughs> if there's one thing the remake doesn't have, which I was incredibly disappointed at, it's my favourite bit in the original. Um is when they're sort of in the dressing room and the sort of like um, preppy girl sort of comes over saying Susie and Sarah I heard that girls with the names beginning with S are snakes and there was not that in it which I was so like I was oh, like, yeah I was that actually going to say the dynamic of the school and the girls is mm. very different because yes, they're yeah. as you say in the original they're sort of these especially when Susie arrives it's sort of like you get all these girls it's staring quite at catty, her yeah. and it's very catty um I mean, I personally haven't gone to a dance school, yeah. but that's what I'd kind of imagine from a dance school yeah. is sort of like. Then everybody kind of warms up eventually. Like, yeah. you know, she makes friends with Sarah. No, and no, stuff, of course. Like. Whereas in the remake, straight away off the get go, everyone's really nice to oh, her. Oh, everybody bends over backwards to praise Susie in this one. Like, you know, you know like, she does come from nowhere. Like, you know, she, yeah. she had an application, but she doesn't have any references, as she says. Mm-hmm. Like, she has to do like a performance, is basically like her application process mm-hmm. and stuff. And they say that she she kind of straight from the get go shouldn't be there in yeah. the remake because she has no, no For, um, formal training formal and training. stuff. Yeah, um, it's it's a funny one, like you know, because all the characters stay the same, like you know, because even um, if we're talking about teachers now, you know, so you have um, Madame Blanc, who is kind of the leader of yeah. the well in the remake, she's the sort of lead choreographer played by Tilda mm-hmm. Swinton. In the original, she's kind of like the sort of de facto sort of headmistress all. Yes. Um, she's not around all the time. Yeah. She's kind of just yeah yeah. As you say, more like a headmistress. She's not yeah. involved in the classes. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Miss Tanner, who in the original is almost um, just this stoic like wall of a woman who yeah. like just charges everywhere. She's just very harsh looking, very demanding. Like, um, and then in the remake, her the Miss Tanner is quite restrained. Uh, she's sort of a side character. She's here and there, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have the same sort of bigger role that Miss Tanner yeah. does in the original. Um, and then you also have um, Helena Marcos as well, whose uh, role very much stays the same, yeah, even down to the way that she's kind of revealed. They're quite very, yeah. They're probably the most similar mm-hmm. character-wise, yeah. Because in in the original, it's sort of hinted at that she's she's no longer with them, yeah. like she's dead. But then 
it's uh, Sarah's saying, oh no, but she's, I've heard she's her She's heard here. the directress, yeah. I, um, I've heard her here, I've heard her breathing at night time, and then it's sort of hinted towards this, whereas it's kind of the exact same in the remake. Yeah. It's like, she's mentioned, but she's yeah. sort of like... The like old... her name is on everything, like, yeah, like it's, but it's, it's her dance. She's pattern. never there. <clears throat> so it's kind of like the exact same character, and you, yeah, when you're introduced to them, it's kind of at the... Yeah, the same. What the remake also sort of adds to the characters a little bit more as well. Um, speaking for the teachers, is um, that a sort of brief subplot that comes up close to the start and then doesn't really come again until really the end is that there seems to be some kind of power dynamic struggle election between Madame Blanc and Helena Marcos. Yes, um, so there seems to be like an election slash vote taking place near the yes. start where um, Marcos wins out and she continues to essentially lead the school. And Madame Blanc isn't like sort of deterred by it, like she just continues to do yeah. her job, like she knows her place and she knows what's going on. But then that sort of plays into a sort of bigger twist towards the movie's climax. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the remake does incredibly well that I really appreciate, like, you know giving it a, a sort of specific time setting really works. Um, something that really, really works as well is that, you know, for the original, for the original, being set and taking place in a dance school. There's not there's no dancing. There's no dancing. There's two scenes <laughs> no, of them learning dance. That is, but dancing the, is a the core remakes, part of yeah. the remake. And um, I really, really respect that. And it's that. really well yes, done. The, the dance scenes are so... Um, it's the best stuff in the movie. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. I completely agree. It's, um, um, it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. And it just, it's so weird that they just didn't really include anything like that in the original that you know, Luca just has opportunity to just go ham on it, and he really just flexes such a muscle for it. Um, it really, really works. And then also adding like some kind of dynamic to the witches as well. Like they're actually their own characters now. Yeah. Um, they have assist. They have systems. They have structures. Um, mm -hmm. and sort of rules and power the, plays. Yes, I thought the the most interesting part is like kind of from quite early on in the remake. Um, in the original, it's kind of hinted towards. But in the remake, it's a lot more prominent. Is the passing on of power, yeah. where Tilda Swinton takes hold of her hands and presses yeah. into them, presses into her feet, and it sort of takes over. Yeah. And then um, further on, when she says she needs to jump higher, and the girl in the class that can jump really high sort yeah. of takes a fit. And she gives her the ability to. Yeah. Jump so higher, like the passing yeah. on of like the the power throughout, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. In the original, there is that scene where she arrives, mm -hmm. and gets sort of pushed into the class, and she keeps saying like, "I feel so dizzy." Yeah. Uh, made feel ill which is kind of represented in both it's sort of i can't remember what they call it in the remake it's like the the dreams the bad dreams oh yeah she she gives her dreams in order it's like it's no 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 i meant the the girls through the school say oh yeah that's the oh the the marco's nightmare i can't remember um the anyway to do with the school and they say that none of them have when they first came They've had nightmares for yeah. weeks and they've never been able to properly sleep, and that's kind of mentioned in the original as well. Yeah. Is this the fact that she gets she's so weak when she yeah. comes? It's sort of like the the environment like sucks the yeah. energy out of these. And they're people. also kind of like once they get her into that state, um, they sort of continually drug her. Like they give her like yes. these set meals and stuff. And wine. As well. <laughs> yeah, and wine. Yeah, to strengthen the blood or whatever it is that they say, which is bizarre. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of weird stuff going on. But like you know, 
for them, this is kind of the problem and the benefit of the remake is that it takes elements that were maybe underdeveloped in the original and expands on them, sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. So like the historical setting being probably one that doesn't necessarily work, but then also focusing more on like, you know, the dancing and like the structure of the witches themselves is a, is a massive positive. Mm -hmm. Like it really, really adds to the movie. Um, and also like the character of the Doctor for the most part works. I'm not entirely sure about his side plot where he um, is really? trying to find his missing wife. Well, it's not he's trying to find her. It's just that it's sort of brought up. If anything, the only purpose it really serves is to sort of make it a bit of a tragedy when he sort of goes back. He frequently visits like his old house that he shared mm -hmm. with his wife. Um, his wife he lost, um, assuming towards the end of World War II, they were split up and yep. he was never able to find her again. When he sort of returns back to the house towards the climax, um, she's there and it, she's just a figment sort of created by the witches in order to lead him back to the dance school so he can be made as some kind of sacrifice for their final ritual or yeah. whatever. And the woman that obviously plays his wife is Jessica Harper, who was mm -hmm. Susie in the original, which I think is a nice touch. Um, I really worry a lot of times when they sort of remake these sort of classic films and stuff, if they're bringing back any of the original cast or anything, that it's going to be maybe just a little bit tasteless or a little bit kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. But um, for her to sort of serve a purpose to the plot, to sort of drive towards the climax, is, is nice. And she's not in it for too long either. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see her. Short, so um, like you can recognize her And as you say, yeah, it does make sense in the terms of the tragedy of like when he turns in, she's not there. Yeah, it's really sad. It is. Um, you really do feel for um, this like poor old man who's especially um, you know he reaches out to Sarah. Sarah plays a very similar role to what she does in the original, where yeah. she's the first one to really get wind of like you know. The witches kind of doing something kind of malicious again, kind of just like the you know, yeah. original, and it's the doctor she reaches out to, and you know he's just trying to help them and stuff as well. You know, um, he tried to help um, Patricia, Patricia, and then he tried to help Sarah, and you know by you know the curse of just trying to be a good person has led him down this horrible path where he was sort of manipulated by these witches and led to his death basically. Yeah. Um, obviously he doesn't actually die thankfully, but you know, mm. um, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so, and I think the witches have a lot more power in the remake, like, not that they, they don't in the original, but they seem to, around about them, their mm -hmm. environment, control things as well. Yeah. Um, instead of just within the school. Yeah, they actually do, like, witch things, like, you yeah. know. Like, the like, police officers, when the police officers yeah, come to the, the school, officers, yeah. and they sort of put them under some a kind spell. Of spell of some kind and laugh at their small penis. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's very odd. Um, but even like you know, as you say, like you know, Tilda Swinton sort of gives Dakota Johnson like the um, the sort of power in her hands and feet, but that also in turn causes the sort of death of another student and probably the best single oh, yes. sequence in the movie. Yeah, which is uh, there's not a lot of apart from the ending, there's not a lot hundreds and hundreds of violence in it. No, there's it's, not. Um, or when it is, it's not always over yeah. the top. But that scene, I think, is really well done. But I like it. I think it's. I like the, it too. I yeah, think it's fantastic. The, but um, it's a, it's another good element of like the power being passed. Yeah. Like there's no they they talk about in the remake a lot of to do with balance. Mm -hmm. Um. Everything has balance. Yeah. Um. And I think it's really interesting. And this scene sort of encapsulates that perfectly yeah. because it's the one person their power sort of being drained for them. Yeah. Um. And I think it's really well done. The sort of this like one of them being above the other and it's kind of like puppets yeah um, that was really interesting and even just like you know it's obviously that like um, 
un, sort of un, maybe in a way un, kind of unbeknownst to her, but obviously like you know Tilda Swinton's kind of like putting all her chips on um, Dakota Johnson kind of being the thing that's going to sort of shake up that um, established order of things so far. Uh, that doesn't necessarily work out in her favour, but obviously like you know I think what sort of makes like the the I'm saying this in sort of like hand quotes, but like twist at the end of the movie sort of work is that for the most part Dakota Johnson plays Susie Banyan more or less the same way that Jessica Harper does yep. in the original is that she's quite timid. sort of yeah timid sort of doe-eyed um but you know sort of talented mm-hmm. and um she sort of eventually becomes quite well liked by a lot of people around her um and I think that does sort of benefit the third act well I say third act the sixth act twist yeah. <laughs> that sort of takes place towards the end um but it takes a long time to get there um we um have done this a little bit different than we normally would we oh. usually tend to watch them back to back we usually tend to do back to back but when we watched the original Suspiria yesterday um it was quite late and we were quite tired so we just left it yeah I mean, and because we, we knew, knew that the remake the was very long yeah so we decided to watch it today and then get to recording straight away um and i think this is probably one of the weirdest ones we've ever done just in terms of that like we've done a couple of long movies but nothing as long as the Suspiria remake mm-hmm. um I think, I mean, I, I know this is usually something we sort of talk about towards the end, but it makes it quite difficult to talk about it as a double feature. Yeah, it's not like it's something... I, they're two, I think, very different films. They are. I yeah. think that it doesn't mean you can't watch them back to back, but it is quite hard, especially when you have something like of the length of the second one, yeah. um, to watch them back to back. It'd be, I suppose it'd be different if they were both like an hour and a half. Yeah, and absolutely. it's um, easier... Not to say they're they're bad to watch back to back. I think definitely by us watching, we're not that we've watched. As I say, one day we watched one another, but I think you definitely notice a lot watching yeah. them sort of back to back. There's a lot of differences, and they are kind of different enough that it's not like watching the exact same thing a second yeah. time over. I think back to like um, when we done like the Eraserhead and Tetsuo episode. Mm-hmm. Is the 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 benefit of both of those movies is that they're actually very short and they don't over yeah. really they don't really overstay their welcome especially because at their core they're mood pieces and Suspiria remake and original can more or less be kind of said the same if I was to sort of compare them to a different film if I was to compare the original Suspiria to another film this is going to sound really daft but hear me out is that Suspiria original kind of reminds me of Mandy like Mandy is kind of a mood piece yeah, too yeah. like the characters are developed enough that you understand them but they're not incredibly you know they're not filled with depth but you understand so when some stuff happens to them in the plot you understand what their thought process is and how they're feeling but it's a mood piece because it's all about colour it's all about music it's all about the feeling of individual scenes yeah. and how they're Do presented you know, another one would be um, Devil's Candy yeah um, if you're talking about colour and yeah. um, music yeah. I, I mean obviously music's massive and Mandy as well um, but especially the music used um and Devil's Candy yeah. by Sun O. Um, yeah. It's done by all just them, and the soundtrack for it is incredible. Yeah. But it has that sort of rise in scenes when things are yeah. off um, deafening. Um, they have richer characters in Devil's Candy, which is why I love it. Um, yes. You know, the family dynamic in Devil's Candy is really enjoyable. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. I There's think my Mandy comparisons only just so because, like, you know, Mandy was like my favourite film in 2018. No, 100%, I do. It was, think... a, it was a feeling. 
Like yeah. the the joy of watching Mandy is that you are along for a ride for it, and it's the same with Suspiria. If I was to compare the Suspiria remake to anything, like again, this is going to sound really stupid, so please just bear with me. But the one thing I can compare the Suspiria remake to is Doctor Sleep. Now, <laughs> hear me out. So Doctor Sleep is a sequel to a movie that's decades old, but yeah. is not made to act like it's better than the source material that it's coming from but it also expands on the source material in ways that's better but also a bit of a detriment do you know that's also another one that goes from a very bright and vivid exactly right to then a bleak yeah, yeah right yeah you know what yeah I mean? like, no i get what you, you mean see, like you know yeah so if you if you were to take yeah like the, as you say like the stage the spirit the original and the shining and it's also like two hours and 40 minutes long and the yeah. director's cuts three hours long and uh, the spirit of the remake and then the yeah, yeah. doctor sleep yeah no I, I do get that they are very similar to that yeah. actually and i mean like you know uh, i don't know if we're ever going to find an excuse to talk about doctor sleep on this but like doctor sleep is a good movie and i think what doctor I think we should, yeah. yeah i'd love to try and find a way to squeeze it in somewhere whether we talk about like mike flanagan films as a whole or like if we do, shining just do the shining versus doctor sleep but like Doctor Sleep has that thing where like it, it, I really enjoyed it. I don't know why it flopped at the box office, and I don't know why it was maybe quite so polarizing critically. But like it expands on the sort of lore of The Shining that um, sort of wasn't there in the original. Yeah. The, the the original Shining is quite light on its content and its background to like its you know its powers mm-hmm. and its characters and stuff. Whereas in the sequel, it was like it sort of opened up a whole world of like new characters and new sort of rules to the sort of established lore from the original. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But it also didn't overstep a boundary where Mike Flanagan was like, I'm better than Stanley Kubrick, I can make, you know, he's very respectful. Like, I think Luca's the same for the Suspiria remake, is that I think he comes from a place where he really likes Suspiria. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be able to sort of do it justice, but not in a way that he's doing anything that could be considered heresy to the legacy of the original either. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that really works to its credit, but there is a lot of stuff that I think just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, something I think that doesn't work <laughs> from movie to movie, and I think we can probably talk about this, and is the finale to each of the movies. Yeah, um, I don't know... I'm just trying to check if there's anything before the finale that sort of I did want to talk about. Um, no, I mean, the, the the one thing that we did slightly touch on is the the, the mother Marcos in both mm-hmm. films. Yes. Um, and I think it's really interesting the difference of even though it's very similar the difference in each movie of mm-hmm. how they're introduced yes I absolutely love the scene in the original when, when um, behind the curtain yeah, yeah but basically before that I've seen that I'm actually quite sad that they didn't put in the remake even though it's not really adds to much is the maggots on the ceiling yeah because yeah. that was hot like I forgot how the bit when she's brushing, like brushing her, her hair, hair yeah. and the maggots are in the <clears> home uh, and then all the girls have got them on them yeah. and yeah you see them just like in, like the whole ceiling um, I do kind of like I thought that was a really yeah. good scene there's the a original. bunch of like you know um, again it's quite weird because the, the remake I think as I said I think Luca directed it from a perspective where he was very um, respectful well, he, he really liked to say originally he wants to sort of pay homage and stuff uh, he wants to pay homage so much that there's actually a couple of moments where there are very very long zooms very fast zooms yeah. that feel very similar to a lot of kind of camera work you'd see in a mm-hmm. 70s Jello movie and that kind of stuff is really good and I really like that um, 
the one thing that I think they maybe could have done, it would have been quite fun, is that in the original there is a, an entire scene dedicated to the um, the piano player who played yes, piano during dance Yes, I was going to talk about this as yeah. well, because the kind of only character you get otherwise is you get the, the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the remake, yeah. But you don't get the sort of parallel to the character of the sort of is. There's the one who I thought was played by Tilda Swinton, but I don't think is. Is the little sort of voiceless teacher type who's yes. kind of seen floating around and she stabs herself in the neck. Yes. Um, yes. But the the animal attack trope in Jallo is everywhere. Like yeah. I remember first really kind of encountering it with um, I think it was a Lucio Fulci movie, um, Beyond the Gate. Um, where like a librarian gets attacked by a bunch of tarantulas and it's always like every Jalo has a scene like that where it's mm-hmm. like some kind of animal just goes to town on a human being yeah. and it's a really long drawn out scene and it's that scene in the I thought, yeah, the, the bit in Suspiria with the, guys, great, with the guide dog, dog yeah. um, um, there's nothing like that in the remake and I can understand why it's maybe not there but I feel like it you know, it's not even really critical to the plot of the original, no, but it's a but scene it's that good. I enjoy. Yeah, no. Like, it's a really fun scene. Um, that whole scene as a whole, because you've got the sort of gargoyle yeah, supposedly yeah. flying over them as well at the same time. But yeah, I was going to mention the fact that you've sort of, as you, there is a character slightly, the woman that doesn't really talk, mm-hmm. but you don't get that sort of character yeah. um, in this apart from the psychiatrist. Yeah. It's only other sort of um, presence. But yeah, I thought that that was also so like the maggot, mm-hmm. and I thought that that scene with the dog is yeah. a bit the maggots is a the maggot scene in the original is actually really weird because, like you know, I hate to be like that cinema sins nitpicky ding person that always wants to poke holes in film logic because I can't enjoy movies for some weird reason. But I always think it's so weird in the original where like you know the maggots fall from the ceiling and like land in all the girls' dorms and stuff. And they go up into the attic to sort of investigate where it's coming from. Spoiled and spoiled food in that. And I'm like, what the fuck are you storing food in the attic for? Like, what the Wrong hell? Meat. Yeah, and I'm like, that's not where you put food. I know, Just like, what I know, the like, hell? Yeah, like, I, feel so... like, I feel like they had to come up with a reason behind it. I know, it. I know. Whereas I think it would have made more sense. I don't know if it was like, I don't know, a bunch of dead rats that yeah, died yeah. because of some of the... the you yeah. know the environment that it also, was sucking it, the energy it out it would make sense like in the remake um, in a weird way like they could have adapted it and changed it to something different but I think what probably could have worked is because obviously like as you've said like the colour palette in um, the remake is so drained and like the um, the sort of design of the buildings obviously it's obviously what east or west germany um yeah. berlin so like you know all the the building has that sort of like euro block architecture yeah. and stuff and everything is so like you know walls look damp like you know everything looks yeah. sickly and like you know it's raining all the time so you're kind of like you could fit like rats or something in there you know what i mean like yeah. there could be like rats living in the walls or like yeah. you know because it's such an old decrepit looking piece of shit building that you're kind of like maybe something like that could have actually worked yeah. but they didn't really um oh, good, a good rat scene would be great a good rat scene would like, be great like yeah. sleeping and rats coming out but yeah um yeah so like as i was saying with mother marple was uh, i love that scene in the oh, original yeah, yeah. where she's behind the curtain and there, you can hear the breathing yeah i love it as well and they're talking about her but almost not looking behind them so it's like you just see the shadow of her yeah. and I think it's so well shot along with the colour I think it's blues it's red is it red yeah. um, it's just so well done I like love it's... the climax where we actually get to sort of fully see Mother Marple it's like I don't actually really like seeing her um, what in the original in the original yes yes um, yes the, a fun fact about um Helena Marcos in the original is that um, the woman that played her was uncredited because apparently she was a 90 year old prostitute that um, Dario Argento had found on the street. 
Um, well. I mean, not the. I mean, I would have just thought it was an old woman anyway, but they obviously just slapped makeup on her. I mean, to be honest, like I think like when you actually see her, um, it's a bit crap because it looks like something out of Evil Dead, <laughs> um, and not in a good way. Um, but I really like the climax where we sort of meet um, Helena Marcos proper, um, and she's sort of like shouting at Susie through like the veil of her bed and yeah. stuff. And the lightning strike you get to yeah, see that shiny outline oh, it's and great. stuff. Um, like... Big shout out to the fact that um, the thing that Susie uses to kill um, Marcos in the end is um, like a like a steel feather from a bird decoration, which is mm-hmm. actually um, a reference to another original movie, which is um, Bird of the Crystal Plumage. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, but even more so than like the sort of Marcos reveal at the end of the original Suspiria is actually when like she sicks like. Um, Sarah's dead body on Susie at the end. Yeah, I think that's super scary. Like no. the way that she has that like really wide grin and like mm-hmm. her eyes clearly look like painted over. Um, it's just oh, I love it. It's so good. Yeah, um, I really do think some of the the scary factors in the original. Yeah, are just so great. Yeah, like and I think that breathing sound effect really works too. Oh my god, right? yeah, that bit with the behind the sort of curtains is yeah. so like horrible. it actually makes me she, feel like yeah, I'm short of breath. Like I can actually quite, feel like my throat tightening yeah. up when I hear it. Like it's, it's really really um, good. Yeah, the, the along with the soundtrack, even just the sound effects yeah. in the original are so kind of heightened. Yeah, they are. And uh, like it's just great. And yeah. then it's great because that scene as well with um, like the breathing. Mm. Originally, because when we first watched it, I just thought it was part of the soundtrack because God, the yeah, soundtrack, yeah. Garland soundtrack is so weird. Well, because there's a lot of stuff like that already. There's a lot of breathing anyway. and whispering. Um, but then when it starts, because it diminishes all the other sound around it, yeah, and you just hear the breathing, I think it's just, it's so well done, and it's yeah. so horrible, like, yeah. the, the breathing. And it's like an explosive, uh, like, leads into sort of like an explosive climax, really. Yes. Um, you know, the the sort of last, like, 10, 15 minutes of Suspiria, I think, is probably some of the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. And that's not even to say there's a lot of bad stuff in it anyway. Like, you no. know, uh, my favourite scene in particular is actually... Um, in the original when Sarah is trying to escape and she falls into the barbed wire. Yes, no, I was um, just going to say that is one of my favourite scenes in the yeah, film. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's love great. it. Um, it's one of those things, like, again, like, for a cinema sins nitpicky type, they're going, how did she not see the fucking, like, room full of barbed wire directly below her? But, like, to me, why that works is because, well, you're in a school red led by a coven of witches it could like, have just appeared like yeah, they could have set she up could have they could have just like you know put something on her so that she wouldn't see it and she just yeah. fell into it or like that all of a sudden just like as she jumped they did they just yeah, no, you know I'm apparated tra- it. yeah like the, the, these people are able to do things exactly so you can, yeah you can't really like question like elements yeah um and i think that's like really interesting whereas i feel like the until the end you don't really meet mother marcos much all you see is her hand that is well you see her picture too yeah you see the picture Matilda went in but you don't actually like like whereas I think it doesn't have the same effect as the original that scene where she's in the bed they have a they have a um, parallel though when um, Mia Goth finds uh Chloe Grace Moretz all shriveled up Mm -hmm. and she's in like that basement bit with all the weird strings across the room and there's Mm -hmm. the body in the bed at the very end of the hall that's shrouded in shadow that's marvelous. oh yeah so it is no no I, okay I do get that yeah. but I meant um, more so just like the first time you sort of kind of meet her mm-hmm. in, in air quotes is just her hand that you see yeah. before which I think is well done because it's sort of her really feeling cool, yeah. like the presence um, <clears throat> but yeah I just don't think I just like yeah. the original so so much um, for like her also like, I remember just writing down like 
the obviously the the me and Mar- Mother Marcos at the finale of the remake <laughs> just were like fucking David Cronenberg. Yeah, it looks like yeah. A weird um, fucking Cronenberg creature. I don't really know how I feel about that. To be honest, like, it gonna... does. It looks like a like I don't know a complete. Yeah, something that yeah. was in the thing or something. Like. I will sort of save talking about that until we sort of like fully talk about the climax mm. and full. But what I sort of wanted to say that you reminded me about was um, when we see sort of Marcus's hand sort of through the floorboards, and she's like, you know, sort of compelling um, Susie to dance on the floor more. Yeah. Um, and that I think sort of almost wordlessly does kind of help reinforce this whole sort of subplot where essentially there's not so much a power struggle is there is a polite power you know fisticuff going on between uh, Madame Blanc and Marcos where like you know um, Blanc kind of sees Susie as kind of being not so much a tool like I think she really she really does like this girl um, but she kind of sees her as having a a function yeah Um, I think she sees a lot of herself in her And Marcos is by sort of trying to feel her through the floor and stuff. She she's wants to trying take to her power, yeah. yeah, exactly. And you kind of see that uh, shortly afterwards, where um, Miss Tanner and uh, Madame Blanc have a, a slight disagreement um, shortly after, which yeah, is why didn't you tell me that Marcos yeah. was going to sort of investigate her and stuff? Um, and I think that you know, I I really do enjoy that that whole sort of subplot with like you know what she's having this sort of power structure because mm-hmm. you don't really get that too much in the original like you know we do eventually see um madame blank sort of you know leading the coven towards the end where she sort of d- demands that she has to kill the american girl and stuff and she's get handed like a potion by um miss tanner and stuff um but it almost kind of feels like you know that um marcos in the original is like she founded the school like you know mm-hmm. as we sort of find out from the gratuitous pseudo cure exposition but um you know she founded the school and it's her school but, you know, everybody considers her to be dead. And because she got burned, like, you know, she's sort of lying yeah. in the bed and is kind of incapable of doing anything. And that Madame Blanc is kind of the benefactor of, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing and kind of looking after her for yeah. her, but she's the sort of one in charge. Um, but having this sort of fun dynamic of, you know, you kind of almost feel sympathetic for Madame Blanc in a way because she doesn't come across yeah. as, like, really harsh or sort of, like, you she, know... Well, like, a lot of the girls talk about it in the school and so she's, like, oh, yeah. she's great and yeah. she, she she's so nice to the girls. Yeah, like, Susie says that. Loving. She has that conversation yeah. with um, Sarah about it. And you do sort of feel like she does actually care for the girls a Absolutely, lot. She's, yeah. she, she's there teaching them every day yeah. and I think that the, the amount of work she's doing, she obviously feels like she doesn't have the full power because then it no matter what she does yeah. she's sort of she's still not Mother Marcos yeah and even by um, the sort of when we get to the climax and stuff as well when Susie uh, in the remake when Susie comes down to sort of witness the ritual and stuff um, you know uh, Madame Blanc kind of pleads with her and says like you know you know, you don't have to be here if you want to go go now and I'll make sure that you never have to remember this kind of thing like you know so she does have a care um, about Susie yeah. in this way but then that's when the thing sort of gets twisted on its head a little bit so should we is there anything yeah. else you want to talk about before no, I think I'm sure was... more things will come up no, but I do of kind of want to talk about I, the climax I think the only other huge difference between the two um, is one of the massive plots in the original is that all the teachers leave the school at 9 o'clock at night oh yes yeah um, and that's like clockwork every single night yeah. they're out the door well technically they're not but yeah. they, you you think from that point that you see them all leaving the school whereas 
in the remake, I'm assuming they're still in the school because they've sort of got like a living quarters yeah, for all they the have, teachers. Yeah, they have a scene very similar to uh, the original where like, because um, in the original it's um, Sarah begins to sort of suspect that um, the teachers don't leave the building because uh-huh. um, she counts their footsteps yeah. and she's like, is it to the left or the right? I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, until it's kind of like Susie is kind of like in the middle of almost passing out from being drugged with the food and stuff and she says they go to the left or whatever meaning that they don't leave the building they must go somewhere else Um, so there is a very similar scene in the remake where Sarah does the same and she finds the room of artifacts it's because she's looking for a secret room whereas in the original it's because the teachers aren't leaving the school but no are leaving the school but they aren't really Um, whereas in the remake it's more about a secret room so I think that's quite by having the teachers sort of there yeah well I'm assuming it's in the school like in a quarters um, it sort of takes out that element that they don't leave not saying that nothing goes on because they then provide that there's secret rooms yeah. and that sort of takes place of the teachers hiding yeah. somewhere in the, the, the and school and it leads to you know a similar um, sort of fate for Sierra than yes. um, for the original stuff as well where obviously she sort of stumbles across the thing so they find a way to kill her and they um, you know lead her into this area where she sort of stumbles across Marcos and uh, finds um, Patricia again and then they <laughs> put holes in the ground so yeah. she like breaks her leg and then they're like ah fuck that let's heal your leg and now you're going to go out and finish the Volk now um, which is a, a bit strange but you know, I think it probably serves to help um, sort of push um, the doctor more at the forefront because obviously yeah. he witnesses her collapse at the end of the dance and he's obviously kind of cares for Sarah yeah. so to try and help um yeah, um, can so we talk yeah, about Climax finales? time now? Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the original Climax so much. Oh, so um, I think it's It's great. not like it's anything like spectacular, but obviously like it, it has a, a good amount of like horror stuff in it. It's mm-hmm. quite scary. Um, and then when Susie ultimately kills Mother Marcos, the source of all the evil in the building, um, everything starts to blow up, collapse, yeah. crack, whatever. Burn. So she just runs out the building whilst everything kind of yeah. burns and destroys itself around her. <laughs> she bolts out the front door, the window explodes, the building catches fire, the end. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> literally it. I love it. It's actually more of, like in the original, it's more of a final girl ending. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. obviously she survives, yeah. um, nothing else. Um, a lot um, similar with, like, Carrie. Yeah. Um, the finale of Carrie with everyone trapped in the school and yeah. she escapes, well, she causes it and then she escapes. Well, actually, not all the students in the original are out of the building. They're at a concert or performance of some kind. Are they? Oh yeah. yeah so they're Remember, still. Remember, because the, the yeah, weird like Janitor Cook lady says that Miss um, Tanner got them all tickets to a performance of something. Oh, that's fine. And so she was like, "Why did like... nobody tell me?" And it's like, I don't know. Miss Tanner got tickets for everybody, <laughs> and so nobody's. Oh, so, left. so it's like, kind of like all of the schoolgirls. All the bad like, people, all the witches all bad, yeah. are in the building. Which is kind of similar, obviously, with the the remake as well. Is mm-hmm. they sort of just kill off all the baddies apart from Miss Blank, which I kind of feel like. Well, they sort. Of do kill Miss Black. I don't, I don't know that's how that, kind of sort of that bit where she like sort of picks her up and she's, and she's breathing still, yeah. and they're like oh my god but then they don't really address it after yeah. that so I don't um, don't know entirely but basically it's everyone that's voted for Marcos, Marcos yeah. um, has been killed um, the girls that have sort of been tortured get the choice of what they yeah, want the ones who have kind of been used as like the lambs like yeah. you know um, like Sarah and Patricia and stuff um, probably no, go on. No, no, you go on. I was just going to say, I think the sort of the the big thing with the climax and the remake is that 
it sort of brings a whole bunch of plot threads together and also has like an actual twist, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, because whereas the original is very straightforward, like yeah. by the time you it get... It has a jello ending. Once the point you get to the end, then everything's sort of summed yeah. up. So when she goes in, she kills yeah. like... Well, there's yeah, there's no loose ends. So, yeah, you know, exactly. Um, so if that's that scene, as you say, yeah. she leaves the building, that's it, it's done. Even so that like, you know, because um, obviously a lot of the sets that they used um, for the Superior original were all on sound stages and mm-hmm. like practically built sets, yeah. which is absolutely daft when you look at it. Cause I you're know. Kind of like, how did the they sets build this? Like, well, yeah. It looks like it probably belongs to an old like sort of building in Germany, like yeah. it said and stuff. Um, so obviously like in classic fashion because they built these things and they finished they were like right light it on fire and then <laughs> so that's it um, whereas in the remake it takes a little bit longer for things to sort of wrap up but there's more like there's just more bits like you know so we you sort know, of find it's out quite that a long finale it is. like well it's a whole act so it's like a... yeah it takes place uh, basically the entire sixth act is called Dispiriorum um, and that is essentially just the end of the movie yeah. And we find out that, um, as Dakota Johnson, I should just call her Susie, she sort of comes down into this sort of ritual area and we see, like, you know, obviously the girls that sort of been killed off or sort of disposed of or kind of used in the centre. Um, the doctor is, like, laying naked on the floor, presumably as a sacrifice as well. Whilst all the other sort of girls and teachers dance in a sort of formation in some kind of ritual. Um, we meet properly um Helena Marcos who is just this as you say like David Cronenberg invention. Melted like, she like has, this like, melted old woman there's a bit, on the like, chair. She stands up and there's actually like a baby hand like hanging out That's of her what arm, I mean it looks like, like a Cronenberg monster. Yeah, like it's, it's weird just... but I kinda dig it. Like it has that kind of you know like melted wax. Yeah like this sorry. is a witch who's been around for so long that she's literally just put other bodies into her and sort of yeah. sustain her for life. And I also like kind of got a bit of a Hellraiser thing where like she has like this big yeah, like, swollen face yeah, and neck and she has these like sunglasses on. Yeah. It looked like that one centibite from yeah. Hellraiser. No, um, I understand it. It sort of looks like an old to sort of old horror, yeah. old old horror monsters. Yeah. And very specifically like traditional witches. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the teachers. Yeah. Um, aren't like these old evil witches they're they very well kept they yeah. look like normal older women whereas this is sort of like the the stereotypical yeah. like the witch um i i dig it i dig it um for the most part um it's just a little bit weird and in fact like given how the rest of the movie sort of looks i think it's maybe just a little bit too out there but I, i'm still for it I, yeah. I like it but as we find out that um you know she has essentially been keeping herself in power um with the other teachers and other sort of faculty um, believing that she has sort of been anointed to this position by Mother Superiorum. Plot twist. Turns out it was actually Susie all along. She is Mother, Mother Superiorum. Um, don't know how I feel about that. I, I mean, I don't know. I sort of, I, I, repeat, I appreciate that it's doing something different. Um, but it is a little bit like out of left field and she is essentially like you know uh, yeah. removed the veil of kind yeah, of like the ignorance. Yeah it's kind of just like yeah as you say like it removes the veil of ignorance and it's kind of just used to instead of the original which is getting rid of these witches yeah. that have done so much wrong she's kind of keeping some of the witches yeah. taking over the school well I'm assuming she's going to take over the school yeah. um, as like Mother Suspiriorum um, and sort of creating a better atmosphere for the girls and a better future yeah. um, for everything that's going on. Yeah. 
and sort of teaching them that you can't be these bad witches anymore you yeah. can't like sacrifice these people and also how dare you be terrible to this little old man like I'm yeah, gonna like yeah. wipe his mind so he doesn't have to deal with all this trauma exactly like yeah. um it's, it's just sort of like inst- instead of it just being like yeah the original is the witches are the bad guys yeah. we want to get rid of them um, that's it it's it's an evil entity that shouldn't be around mm-hmm. therefore we get rid of them as a whole that's yeah. it whereas this is sort of like oh no witches are people you know like yeah. it, it feels more of a you get a lot of this in like modern films recently this modern view of witches and yeah. that witches are all around us um, you've got they're not all bad yeah some of them want to do better and like so susie becomes sort of like this feminist icon trying to sort out what's yeah going on in the community and it it just it just feels like a lot it it is a lot and you know it's because like you know like the sort of like structure of like power and matriarchies and stuff is like such a large part of the movie and, and maybe I'm just dumb and maybe I need to kind of watch it again and take notes and read citations and all that kind of thing but I think it's really weird that like as the theme of the movie sort of well one of the themes of the movie being about that sort of structure of matriarchy and stuff is to have this person come in and for the most part like you know we have watched Susie kind of come in as kind of like a doe and seems all innocent and sort of is she's not it's, it's not even really revealed to her like the sort of you know, um, presence of this world. We sort of get that a little bit towards the end where there's a bit where um, Madame Blanc and Susie are sort of communicating telepathically with each other. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, right, okay, so she's maybe in on this. Like, but she sort of comes into it and just says, like, no, it's time for reform now. Like, instead of, like, maybe if she'd stayed the same, instead of appearing as, like, a almost like a deity to this culture, to have her just kind of come in as herself and sort of take the power for herself, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, almost if it was to be that, like, you know, the rituals sort of happen and then there was supposed to be, like, another election at the end and they just happened to elect Susie instead and then she kind of created that so. change. Yeah, no, like, I completely get that. It, it also, just to hark back to, like, another episode that we've done, it just, that whole scene at the end when she comes in, it just reminds me of, like, so many different films. Like, it reminds me of Silent Hill, the bit yeah, where Alyssa yeah, comes back yeah. and, like, sort of just wipes out all these people, the way that their heads just all get yeah. exploded. Um, That's actually my biggest problem with the entire climax is the head exploding. Yeah, finishing off yeah, the um, that. that or it's um, feels like a cheaper kind of like carry moment. Yeah, like yeah, her sort of taking, a, especially because it is a, a very Carrie-esque character being this innocent girl who's struggling with what's going on inside her. Yeah, uh, not so much like saying that Susie's struggling, but it's sort of like this is going on, um, and she isn't necessarily bad. No, it's just sort of her coming of age and coming of power, um, and then having that final scene. But I, th- I think it's quite cheap that the way that they do it this this head explosion i don't actually scene, like, mind just... that so much i think it's just that like you know so this weird creature thing kind of emerges yeah. towards the climax and like paints the room red well I mean quite literally like not yeah. li- well literally and also like figuratively yeah. when the camera lens changes absolutely everything to this really really deep red yeah it's the really only cool. time that the color sort of comes back yeah there's the a film. bit where like during one of the dream sequences you can see madame blanc's yeah. face and it's kind of lit with different colors but it's about as bright and vivid as the, uh, the remake ever gets mm-hmm. But what I find really, really irritating, and this is just such a small thing, but I really, really hate it, 
is that you know as this like demon things or walks around the room and essentially like blows up the heads of anybody who voted for Marcos in the elections and stuff um, it starts like it's kind of like a high speed camera I don't know if it's not a high speed camera in the way that you think Lars von Trier uses it it looks almost like weird time lapse if yeah. you know what I mean it has that weird blurry jaggy jaunty janky ass looking movement and it just it doesn't look good it looks yeah. stupid like you know I know that obviously like having the heads exploding is is gratuitous I mean for this movie it's gratuitous like you know it's had violence but it's not been that over the top it's been quite stylized yeah part yeah but, but this head explosion is over the top so they're kind of like how can we sort of hide that this is maybe just a little bit too much oh I don't know slow it down a little bit it doesn't look good like it yeah. really doesn't look good yeah I don't, I don't really like, like yeah I don't really like the look of the scene apart from bringing colour back into it yeah. there's not really much and I like the head explosion like as I say it just reminds me of that scene in Silent Hill where yeah, like she's walking through the blood on like the church floor yeah it's just that's how it sort of feels also completely fine if people disagree but there's no need for the epilogue in this film I mean, maybe unless you just... I mean, like, I, that whole bit, I, I the old man. It. I like, kind of get Like, it. I understand why it's there. Like, you yeah. know, you're sort of giving you this sort of... This poor man that's gone through this and these witches have tormented him with his yeah. wife. He's really tried to help those girls. It sort of gives a happy ending to that. Like, she's yeah. taking away that trauma from him and saying that he was a good person and everything that he's tried to do. Yeah. And she's so sorry for what's been done to him. I get that, but yep. also like that didn't need to happen. No, I have to. I, I do agree with you there. He's not yeah. like I know that he's in the film a lot, but like that isn't ne- that adds a whole other what ten, ten minutes onto the it film. Does. That... I think as well that like you know, um, you kind of only really find out about him not looking for his lost wife, but kind of aware of his lost wife. When, well, when, well he, when he first, when he goes to the house the first time, his old house, yeah. and he puts his hand on like the love heart that they carved on the wall of the mm-hmm. house with their initials in it. Like, so that's instance one. Instance two is when he goes to the police station to try and track down like what happened to Patricia, mm-hmm. and he speaks to one of the detectives and said, like, you helped me you uh, reel out that my wife wasn't in, in Poland. Poland. So instance two. You got the one that started the film as well with a photo of his wife. Oh yeah, there's a photo. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Which is really weird that they didn't use a old photo of Jessica Harper. I know that would have been really <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. But yeah. um, and then sort of number three is when she, or at least her apparition, sort of comes back and they kind of, you know, get all lovey dovey and cute and walk together, and then she leads him to the school to sort of entrap him. Um, like you know, it was already clear that the witches produced this apparition of his wife in order to lure him there. Yeah. Like, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, as you say, the epi- epilogue is a bit weird because it's like she come uh, to quote Johnson, Susie comes in and sort of ultimate mother superior form, and it's like right, well, you know, your wife actually died like in the snow, in the cold, with this fond memory of you, um, but she didn't die afraid. Um, and also don't think about all that stuff that happened anymore it's gone just consider it erased or whatever and then the movie strangely like the actual film itself ends with what looks to be present day actually because one of the people in the background seems to be using a mobile phone um, okay I didn't even notice this yeah, a mobile really phone weird. but um, obviously it is meant to be years later because it's his old house with his wife and you can barely see the love heart etched on the wall with their initials on it and that's what the movie ends on which is so strange like I don't know well, if that was necessary is it not is the person that's in that house though is that not um, Sarah you know the women that their kids comes out the gate Sarah well yeah. Sarah's dead no, because Sarah was the one that asked to live. 
No, she has to. All of them has to die. No, all they of the sacrifices has to die. No, Sarah has to win. I'm gonna put it back on, but no, <laughs> she all said die because they all died. They all fell on the floor and died. But you can just fact check this while I keep talking. But I no, think... but yeah, it is a very. Um, there's just a lot in the end, especially from the original having such a bang, bang, bang. That's it. That's yeah. done. There's this big grandiose ending where yeah. the place blown up and going on fire, and yeah. that it just ends like that. To have this whole extra. 10-15 minutes yeah. on the end with an epilogue just you know because mm. it does like I don't have I mean I have plenty of issues with the actual climax that takes place with the final ritual but like you know it's a climax like it does exactly what a climax should it rises and then kind of crescendos to an ending um, you should kind of get a little bit of resolution like you know like when they're like cleaning up all the dead bodies and stuff um, and as you say like it's left a bit ambiguous as to what's going to happen with Madame Blanc because they say that um, the next day they have a class and one of the girls says like Madame Blanc has left the company but obviously but they, then she seems to she yeah, seems to be alive so I, don't, so I don't know if they're maybe just keeping her and sort of recovering yeah. her if you know what I mean so it's left a bit ambiguous but like I think that's a good enough ending and to sort of like maybe maybe it would have been fine to see like Susie kind of stepping into like an office of some kind or like you know holding a meeting with all the sort of remaining uh, faculty members or something um but like by all means like finish off the story arc of the doctor like send him home mm-hmm. like and show him sort of getting back home and stuff that's fine but yeah to have him sort of end with like this weird resolution where he isn't going to remember anything that happened and stuff like we could have just they could have wrapped that up already like when they sort of showed him out of the building they could have like had some visual aid to show that he was you know they sort of erased his memory of it or something yeah. um to add on this like sort of admittedly emotional scene is maybe a bit too much but maybe Tilda Swinton wanted to flex her acting muscles again, like she was playing, already playing Madame Blanc, the Doctor and Marcos as well, so why not just have her do something a little bit extra just to flex that muscle, you know? Are you on the Wikipedia page looking up this thing? Right, I bet you a fiver. I bet you a fiver. Uh, considering the last time this happened, it was during the witch episode that we made, and you were yeah. convinced that it was Thomason's kid that went missing, but it wasn't. Yeah, no, that was, that was right. Bet you a fiver. What are you reading it on? Why are you not just reading the plot synopsis on Wikipedia? This is the plot synopsis. This is like the final scene. I think you're right, though. Of course, I'm like the all like what? She she got her stomach cut open in a tea with her guts taken out. I know they're witches and stuff, but like they all they were all in extreme amounts of pain. They were not going to want to live after that. No. And especially like after knowing what they'd known and seeing what they'd seen, I don't really think you'd want to stay alive after that. She was not the one living in that house at the end. It'd be it'd be really weird to have Sarah living in the house. Well, I don't. At the end I anyway. just thought for a second I'd seen that, but obviously I didn't. So. Well, I mean, it's also like again, I'm fairly certain it was set in modern day because it looked like the woman in the background was using mobile phone, which is really weird. Yeah. Um, because it was so firmly set in its time. Um. So it's a bit strange to have that later on. Yeah. Um, I also don't know why they decided the last shot of the movie to be that little etching, because it's just, I don't know, it's a sentimentality that I don't really think the movie needed to finish on. Um, you know, like, the original sort of finishes with Susie just bailing out the building well, it sets on yeah. fire, I think, you know. As a cl- again, it's a climax. It crescendos and it ends. But Suspiria remake just wants to go for just a little bit longer and just yeah. really wants to overstay that welcome. I think, as I say, there's a lot of um, bulk. Yes. Um, in the remake, yeah. not necessarily a lot of it that is needed, which really does draw it out. Yeah. Like, 
It feels long. It does feel long. It. It's not like watching a a long film and feeling like then no, oh, it didn't feel as long as it does. No, no it, it does. Feels it feels like, like completely like long. For like context, we uh we recently watched um the most recent S. Craig Zeller movie, Dragged Across Concrete, <laughs> which we made a bit of an event of watching because it's two hours and forty minutes long. That didn't feel like its length at all, and it didn't really feel like any scene was, you know padding it didn't feel it felt like every scene sort of had a purpose and it was sort of driving towards a a climax or at least some kind of resolution Mm -hmm. to his characters and stuff um this really did feel like its length um we've watched a lot of movies of that length like most modern blockbusters are that yeah but they don't feel that long yeah you get a lot of um especially yeah as you say big blockbuster movies which are pretty much always over two hours these days um but just coming from a film that's quite short and punctual as an original um, it's not first line okay that's fine we've we've came to tell you <laughs> the fact that I was wrong I have confirmed that Sarah is indeed dead yes, at the end okay, of Suspiria right. <laughs> also someone called Olga oh right that's the Olga's one that dies the, in the yeah, damn right yeah. yeah I don't ever remember hearing her name yeah and amazing oh of course you would have kept her alive that makes perfect sense because they dragged her away didn't they yeah because it's the the three sacrifices for yes three, that's the for one for the three mothers um, mother Suspiria mother Tenebrum and um Oh my god, I can't remember the last one. But it's Mother of Tears, isn't it? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I can't the three mothers. Anyway. Well, obviously, that's actually kind of weird. Uh, that's one thing the Superior remake does in a kind of fun way is referencing the weird lore that Dario Argento made with his trilogy because mm-hmm. surprisingly Suspiria is part of a trilogy of movies called The Three Mothers so yeah. Suspiria, um, Mother of Tears and Inferno yeah. of which we have only seen Inferno I quite like Inferno I didn't mind Inferno either um, but I, at least when we watched it I enjoyed it by itself but I kind of think it's the same thing with like um, John Carpenter and his like Apocalypse trilogy yeah. Um, whereas you're kind of like right you really just wanted to say you had a trilogy but none of these movies really kind of belong together and is very tenuously connected to something that yeah. doesn't really matter um, that's not to say that like you know I mean as far as John Carpenter goes that was two out of three like Prince of Darkness isn't that good <laughs> but <laughs> I, um, I kind of enjoyed it but... well, Prince of Darkness yeah, like the one with like the green Satan juice. <laughs> no, as in like, that. Not as in like I just thought like it was quite funny. Yeah, I had a couple of moments like, but I mean when it's next to in the mouth of madness and the thing, oh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely no, nothing. Um, but I mean, yeah. So as far as that, that it's a funny little reference, but it, it sort of does add to the lore of the Suspiria yeah. remake a little bit, which I do appreciate. Yeah, but um, yeah, all is all in all in all, you can go ahead and you could watch this double feature, but. It is a long. It is a long, long one, watch. yeah. Yeah, um, they're they're different enough, and they're different enough that it works as a double feature, that you're not just watching the exact same thing, to like double time over. But at the same time, it's quite nice to break it up. It's yeah, just, I would, um, yeah. I I think it's just it's such a funny thing where, as I sort of said, it's like Suspiria one is they're they're both mood movies yeah, but like you know you can get behind the mood of Suspiria original a lot more than the sequel yeah. I would definitely say do not go out your way to if you're gonna watch the remake and not the original please just do watch the original because yeah. I know a lot of people are sort of put off with films that have remakes because they think 
but I'm not going to watch the older one because maybe it's dated um, there's the new one there I'm just going to watch that and then they never watch the original and I yeah. have always said to people even myself yeah. I go out of my way to try and at least watch the originals yeah. and there's still some films I haven't watched yeah. all the originals for but I think it is really important it helps like, to add context yeah. like you know even like as a weird example like um before we watched the Haunting of Hill House TV show, we watched the film. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the book, which is probably a bit of a bit of a fault on my end. But the movie helped add a lot of context to the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Also, they're completely different things, but like the characters are the same, and the way that the characters are are very similar to their movie counterparts as yeah. well. So, like you know, it, it helps, and I think the the context of Suspiria helps add to. Your sort of maybe your understanding of the remake a lot more. I called that a sequel earlier because my brain wasn't thinking. But yeah, you know, I think remakes have a bit of a stinky name um, for a lot of people because I absolutely hate when a new remake gets announced and there's always that one person like, oh my god, I can't believe the remake in that. It's like, right, shut up. Because <laughs> a remake, like, you know, for a lot of people, you know, a film is so old that they might have never grown up with it, like you know. Yeah. And so it's new. To keep it in the public eye. Yeah, exactly. It brings you, you it brings back it. something. It brings it doesn't. It's not even so much that they're like you know disgracing the legacy of an old movie by remaking it. It's opening up the old movie to loads you. of people who either a never really had an interest, never got a chance to see it, or don't really care. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm happy this Suspiria remake happened because in a lot of ways it means that finally I'll know more people who have watched the original because of the remake. Yeah. Um, and that's good. Like I don't know why people yeah, ever get swapped tight about no, remakes. No, I just get into the public eye. I mean, don't get me wrong. About more than fifty percent of remakes are yeah. are never going to be the the sort of what the original is. But that doesn't mean that isn't not every so often going to be good, if not better than yeah. the original. I mean, there's a difference between like a remake like Luca Gaudino's Suspiria remake and something like I mean I don't know. The Evil biggest Dead. studio. Hmm? Evil Dead. That I respect a bit more because at least they had. I mean, I'm thinking more like big Hollywood cash grab remake. So uh, I'm thinking like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, the Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. the weird Colin Farrell Total Recall remake, yeah. like you know stuff like that that you can there's you can smell the cynicism behind yeah. it. They don't care about the original, but in a way, their existence still means that people will probably have well have gone out of their way to sort out the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, will drop ba- yeah. back that interest And I again. do like um, certain... There is... I actually was listening to another podcast recently. Um, I think it was the Dead Meat podcast. Mm. I'm sure it was, um, which we do love. Um, they were talking about the Carrie remake which was which is bad. 2000 and was that before 2016 or something oh no 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 it was well before that it, the, the one with like Chloe um, Grace Moretz oh. um, it was awful it's a really bad remake but yeah. everyone actually well not everyone actually not a lot of people know that there was a there was a TV made for yeah. TV only remake of like a lot of Stephen King stuff actually um, which is actually quite good yep. and it's um I cannot for the life of me remember the actress's name, but she's the same girl that's in May. Mm. Um, she is really, really good. Yeah. Um, that was actually quite a good TV remake. Yeah. Um, it's not not the original, but yeah. it was a good twist and form yeah. of it. And you do get sort of, as much as people won't always like it, like when they've done the Halloween remakes with Rob Zombie, um, <laughs> yeah. he was trying to go in a different direction 
with those films, which yeah. fair enough he did. It's a lot more gory, it's a lot more yeah. stuff. So I get that like you wouldn't have other elements of certain films yeah. if there wasn't a remake here. Suspiria is completely different from the original. It is, yeah. um, but it has the same skeleton, yeah. it has the same structure. Yeah, but it's to see someone else's perspective on something yeah. and their own telling of things. There, uh, You've actually spoke about um, watching the remake of the old ghost story, The House of the Two Kids. What's um... Oh, The Innocence. Yeah. And that's been remade now um, as The Turning. Turning, yeah. Another film with Finn Wolfhard in it, because I can't get enough of that guy. Because um, we're a big fan of Innocence. I think it's a great Probably one of, one of my personal yeah. favourites And we of went all time. to see Turn, Turn in the Screw. Yeah, stage yeah, version stage of it. Stage version yeah. of it. Um, it's a great story. Um, yeah, and Innocence is an incredible film. But, yeah, something like that, very yeah. modern, is, and you can, is a very, clearly quite high budget the, the people they've got yeah, it's in a, it it's a big studio yeah like you know um you can detect the cynicism like i think that's kind of the thing like i think with suspiria remake you can see that it does come from a place of actual respect oh yeah um there was thought put into it it wasn't just like let's remake an old film with new stars with better special effects and um, we'll make it 12a so everybody can see it and mm -hmm. make the most amount of money possible um like you know that kind of thing it really really sucks like and I don't ever really dig when people are always like, oh no, remake, oh no. It's like, no, like, you know, if it's coming from like a new upcoming talent, like they're remaking uh, Hellraiser right now. Yeah. I can't remember who's directing it, but it is a new young director from a good horror movie from recent years. So good, like give him an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like Hellraiser hasn't really had spotlight yeah. in years. So no. good. Or even well, like, like the, um, the, as I said, the Evil Dead remake yeah. was by... I can't remember their name. Yeah, the canal. But that was they went on to do Don't Breathe. Yeah, that was an yeah. up and coming. Um, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't get things like that. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but um, it's definitely a different direction for the, the yeah. film itself. But I think that I know that I I have my own issues with the Evil Dead remake, but it I would say that it still comes from a place of respect. Like it has yeah, it has nothing but practical yeah. effects in it. It has at times the same kind of humor. Mm -hmm. um, it has you know a lot of good makeup and stuff. Um, but it tried to add a bit of a more personal story. Yeah. Whether that worked for you or not, um, it didn't work for me personally. Um, I like the simplicity of the original, but again, like you know, yeah. I think that despite its faults, it tried to come for yeah. yeah, it's like the wasn't there the thing remake as well. Yeah. Well, that, that one's a funny one because that's technically a prequel, but it's also technically a remake. If that yeah. makes sense. So it take it's so the. I'm sure that I, oh, do you know I can't properly remember it but that came from a place of good it did until the studio shuttered them because they had actually spent like millions of dollars making practical effects for that oh, film see, movie. That's... and then they the studio said no test audiences oh, aren't gonna okay. like that so they replaced it all with uh, digital this effects. is yeah because i'd heard that about it being practical effects but as i say i can't yeah. really remember their you can remake. actually go on youtube and find the footage of all the practical, the practical effects, effects that they built um, but then yeah apparently the studio weren't happy because they were spending a lot of money on practical effects so they decided to spend probably the More same amount of money on digital artwork um, so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a weird one because that's a, that's a prequel but it has the same name as the original so it might as well and then saying that the thing is a remake of the thing from another yeah, planet so another like planet, you know yeah. and that's again that's yeah. completely different yeah. so the whole concept of remakes yeah. is completely nebulous like i find myself wanting remakes like i yeah. want right now more than anything for someone i want like um like uh 
Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett get together and write a Terminator remake. Yeah. Like, they've done The Guest. The Guest is the best Terminator movie since The Terminator. So good. So, like, yeah. they should just make the... We should just remake The Terminator. Yeah. Like, you know, we said this after watching the recent Terminator. It's like, fucking scrap it. Yeah, Start from square one yeah, and do it again. You do, as you say, it gets to the point that, obviously... And you get a lot of remakes when it comes to, obviously, the superhero films because with owning the rights, they yeah. have to make a, a remake at a certain... Well, at least enough of the movies they to do the characters. They have to renew the franchise. They have to renew it every so often. Um, and there's a lot of things that came, as you say, that is at an age that you would never see. There's a lot yeah. of BBC dramas and films that mm. came out TV. Um, that if it wasn't for remaking them, it would be back in the public eye. I mean, one of the biggest sort of, in inverted commas, remakes that came out, which isn't really, it's just a retelling, is the War of the Worlds. Yeah. Obviously, because being a radio drama. Yeah. But a lot of people were like, oh my god, this is like watching a film. Like, yeah. it's so intense. And then by having like a theatrical... Yeah. But then there's like the Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, that's... And then there's like one from the 60s. Yeah, that's what I mean. Then know? they made the, yeah, the 60s yeah. movie and then you get it. And it, these are things that have so much history. Yeah. Um, I take any old horror film. Like, as we said, like you got Night of the Living Dead that yeah. the remake was actually done by... Um, Tom Savini. Yeah. And um, it's very close to the, yeah, the original because it comes, but it's just sort of getting it back into the public yeah. eye. Unless, of course, you're someone like Michael, Michael Kanenke who decides to remake his entire movie, his own movie, Shot for Shot. Um, <laughs> or, uh, God, I don't feel Funny games? Yeah, like Funny games, yeah. Funny. Or um, another film we watched fairly recently was um, Spur Loose or The Vanishing. Um, yes. And then the director decided to remake that shot for shot, but changed the ending, and that failed miserably for him. So, you know, mm. you, there's no, there's no wrong or right way to do it. All I can really say is that, like, you know, everything's sort of, and it gets to the point that everything is slowly going to be remade. Yeah. It's, at some point, yeah. It's some, like, because it's getting to the point that, don't get me wrong, it's great to come up with new ideas and stuff. Yeah. But from like a cinema point of view you go back to things that have worked well because they make money yeah I think like you know we've uh, surprisingly harped on for almost as long as the Suspiria actual talking yeah just sorry about remake. just remakes but I just I think what's probably just worth summing up is that like you know remakes aren't all bad I don't I don't really I really really don't like when people are like oh no Hollywood has no original ideas or oh no they're remaking a classic like just let people try like you know for all you know you could have a new favorite it's going to introduce an entire new generation of people to your favorite it's going to generate interest in a classic again it's going to open up a whole lot of new doors and i know that it can be a bit frustrating sometimes especially if it's like a franchise you really like or something and it maybe doesn't receive the kind of uh, treatment that you want it to mm -hmm. but that doesn't invalidate the existence of the film in the first place yeah. like you know I, I, having a complicated relationship with the evil dead remake that doesn't lessen the fact that i still have evil dead one evil dead two dead dead by dawn and evil dead three army of darkness They're, those movies are still there yeah. i can watch them whenever i like yeah. so like just yeah, it's not it like something's like, taken over. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The, the, like it's, yeah, as you say, everything's going to be there. Yeah. Um, and especially in the age we are now, where you can probably get anything sort of available yeah. unless it's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, you can mostly just find it online or on a streaming service yeah. or to buy or to rent. Um, it's not hard no, to go course, out of your yeah. way. And I think it's just, yeah, I think it's always, especially if you you're watching remakes as well is also just to try and check out 
the original content yeah. as well because for the same reason that people are watching remakes you might really enjoy the original as well yeah um i think that a big struggle that i have is people that will refuse to watch anything of a certain age oh god yeah because they think that just because it's even if it's 30 years old they yeah. think it's too old cinema is progressing so fast by now yeah that from a point of the 90s to say where we are now not much has changed cinema wise at a massive degree because yeah. every year something is changing yeah. and the, like we've plateaued to yes. be honest like we have whereas you take something like from the 60s to the 90s yeah and there's a massive jump um, in years for film yeah. things change but just because something's a certain minute years old or something's in black and white or something's in a foreign a language a foreign language shouldn't stop you from watching it because yeah. By God, there's some of the most incredible films are old films. These yeah. they're there for a reason. They've progressed. Films have progressed because of films that have been there before. Exactly. Yeah. And whether it's black and white doesn't take away from that, of or whether it's in a foreign language, which is another big gripe of mine, is people that just won't have. And I know that it's sometimes hard with subtitles. I know. Yeah, like I we struggle get, sometimes as well. Like sometimes you can just be a bit tired. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to kind of watch it yeah. when you're in the mood for it. Like, and know. it is getting, as I say, cinema is progressing a lot better, especially for subs. Yeah. There's a lot of places now that you can watch subs at a slower rate, so yeah. that without it passing, you can change the size, you can change yeah. the color. Like for people, and I mean, have, even like, if you if you really struggle with subs, a lot of places will do um, English dubs for stuff. Yeah. Um, if you really can't read things I mean there's loads of things out there that's just worth branching out of your comfort zone and exactly. you know watching I mean we've definitely you've gone back quite far trying to watch some films that we've heard about or wanted to watch for years I mean The Innocence for one that's I don't even know what year The Innocence is 1960 I want to say 1966 yeah and like, that's still an incredible piece of film yeah it's not used to do very, not yeah, used to it's very well done but yeah you got things from like that that era or even before that that you'd be surprised they yeah. don't nothing things don't always seem so dated exactly yeah and I mean the big thing as well is that sometimes um, it can always be about the context when it's made because in a lot of ways like any kind of story can be a reflection of the time that it was made um i'm sort of struggling to think of any sort of examples now but obviously like time changes as does you know the flow of history mm -hmm. itself so like if something is to sort of be remade it can sort of take that story but make it in the context of what's happening in the world today kind of yeah. thing like uh, it doesn't have to be set in the exact same time year exactly as yeah like not set. even that it's set in the same place but it could be still set in the same time and place but it's it's themes and it's morals can be more easily attributed to today Modern, like yeah. you know i again i'm really struggling to think of any examples now but that's sort of like why i think like you know i think maybe a good example is kind of like uh it's, it's not a good remake i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie it's robocop remake mm -hmm. um has a very similar thing where obviously like the original robocop is like a really sharp lampooning of like television culture and like the news cycle and stuff and they touch upon it in the remake as well um, and they kind of intersperse it with like you know like drone warfare or like in social media and influence uh, social media influence yeah. that kind of thing it's not a good remake <laughs> but 
it's, it it's had that. It, it took that context of the Robocop original, which mm-hmm. was taking place in the 80s, because that's what the 80s was. It was all yeah. TV and it was MTV and all that sort of stuff. And like technology was almost rampant and it was only mm-hmm. the 80s. So how can you adapt that story now to a modern day? And they they done it more or less successfully. It's not a great remake, but Robocop is also just like a timeless classic, like no. regardless. So No, so um, yeah, we definitely we might do another remake episode at some point but we wanted to sort of do something as I say that we enjoyed and maybe something that people wouldn't automatically go to when you talk about remakes yeah um, um, this was a f- uh, <laughs> I would hazard to say fun it was definitely an interesting watch yeah. uh, I absolutely love watching the original Suspiria yeah it's, it's always but a good but having rewatched the remake again was a bit of a challenge I actually had I was having a coffee throughout this because it was just so exhausting watching it and it was so yeah. long um, but it wasn't time wasted, I'll say that yeah. much. It's still a good movie, it stands on its own, um, and I'd still recommend it. And I know that we kind of went a bit off topic just talking about the nature of remakes there for a while, but I'd say it's a conversation worth having overall. Yeah, 100%. I think um, it was good to talk about remakes, and yeah. maybe two that one is quite recent, um, and it's not one that's done badly. No, not at all. Um, we don't really know what we're doing for the next episode yet. Yeah, be a surprise, I guess. We we have a few ideas, so we'll sort of think about it and come back to it yeah, next time. Absolutely, but in the meantime, stay safe, have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.